Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors, and welcome back to our show. Delighted to be back with you again today. We're going to take a look at how we can eliminate the need for a 1031 exchange using a deferred sales trust. With us today is Brett Swartz, who is considered one of the most well-rounded capital gains tax deferral experts and informative speakers in the U.S. today. He is the founder of Capital Gains Tax Solutions and is an exclusive deferred sales trust trustee. Brett is the host of the Capital Gains Tax Solutions podcast and an EXP commercial multifamily broker in Sacramento, California. So Brett, take us into the show and share a memorable experience that helped you to be who you are today. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, so I grew up with my parents in the uh, California, the Northern California, kind of the Bay Area. And as a young child, I had the opportunity to really work hard with my dad at a, at a young age building houses. And so my brother and I would wake up and I think it'd be about 5, 30, 6, a.m. and we would get dressed ready to go and we get uh, our tool belts that he had bought for us and we'd go build houses and by that we would move the bricks you know we would pound some nails i mean he'd build the houses but we would a lot of it was playing for us too but just seeing the long hard days of work i remember a time when uh you know the food truck would come it would ring a bell and my dad was a general contractor and uh and built hundreds of homes in you know silicon valley in the east east bay of, of california fremont mission san jose area so I fell in love with real estate at a young age, fell in love with hard work, fell in love with uh, being kind of entrepreneurial and having an opportunity to uh, to, to take that uh, to um, to college and such and the next part of the career. But I was, I'll never forget just uh, all of those long, uh, long days and uh, learning how to work hard and learning how to see something from start to finish, especially with real estate, because it's such a tangible thing that you can see, mm -hmm. touch and feel. It was always very in inspiring. And those are the, probably one of the youngest memories that I have. It's always nice when we come into this world with supportive parents who can provide us with good examples to go by. Well, Brett, let's just start off by, if you would, please just define for us what is a deferred sales trust and why we would use one. So a deferred sales trust um, is a way to defer capital gains tax on the sale of any asset of any kind, including, by the way, horses, including um, you know racehorses, including uh, real estate, including cryptocurrency, including high-end primary homes, business sales. The challenge for most people is they're facing 25 to 50% of their gain being taxed. And so with the Deferred Sales Trust, it's a capital gains tax solution to the capital gains tax problem. And so we use this installment sale structure, kind of like an IRA, kind of like a 401k, where instead of taking all of the capital up front, Alan, you're able to have it deferred by putting it into a business type of trust and essentially um, loaning the funds to the trust in exchange for a promissory note. So let's imagine a listener has a $10 million racehorse, right? That they, uh, you know, they bought and groomed and and built to be, they started at 500,000 or so, right? And it's worth 10 million. Well, if they were to sell that, they're going to hit with that capital gains tax. Well, instead of selling it to the buyer immediately and taking capital and being taxed on that, the trust can jump in right in between the buyer and the seller. And as the seller, you could carry back paper for the trust. Essentially, you sell it to the trust first, and then the trust sells it to the buyer. The smoke clears, and the asset in the scenario, the horse is transferred to the new buyer, and the capital is now 
in the trust and it's owed to you and you as the seller has become the lender and you um, you were owed back you know the 10 million versus let's say you would have paid 4 million of tax or so or 3 million of tax so you have the full amount that's tax deferred building and earning interest where you live off the interest and versus the smaller amount if you didn't have the the trust in place so why is it that the trust is not taxed on the capital gains it's a great question. So the trust bought it for 10 million and sold the horse for 10 million in this scenario. So the trust oh, has okay. no gain. I see. Right? Okay. Okay. That, okay. That makes perfect sense there. So explain to us then how we can sell high and then we can wait on the sidelines and or buy or develop real estate with this mechanism. Sure. So some of the freedoms our clients are, 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 really, are really looking for before they meet us, they're looking for freedoms with cash flow. They might be real estate rich and cash flow poor. They might be a business is highly appreciated or some kind of asset, it could be any asset, right? And they're looking for ways to develop or move that capital into a cash flow producing asset, especially as they go into lower, a little more in retirement years. A lot of baby boomers that we work with are looking for that. So one strategy is to, for example, we sold an $8 million house in Palo Alto for a client and their strategy was all their kids were gone, but they wanted to get cash flow, but all of their equity was in their primary home, which they weren't renting out and all of the capital gain had built up. And so they didn't understand, they didn't really know how to do this without having to move out and maybe try to do, let's call it, call it a 1031 exchange. Instead, they used the deferred sales trust to defer the tax, to pay off their debt. They also weren't in the business of overpaying for a property and in the business of wanting to own and manage real estate. They actually wanted to retire and be passive. And so that was a, a great way for them to sell when they wanted to sell, pay off their debt, not have to replace any of any debt, and essentially just collect cash flow from the trust. So once the money's in the trust, it can be invested into a number of different things. It can be stocks, bonds, mutual funds, it could be lending, it could be a, in business with you know grooming and building horses for racing or whatever it might be, or mm-hmm. a, a farm or, or or anything that's business purpose, right? And so essentially you can unlock the capital from an asset that might not be producing to go into a trust and this trust can go into these other assets that produce the cash flow. And so that's that's the great thing. And all tax deferred using the deferred sales trust. So again, it's kind of like an IRA or a self-directed IRA, if you've ever heard of those, Alan, where once the funds are tax deferred, they can go into different things. We just don't have to follow as many rules as as them, but uh, that's that's the essence of, of, of the deferred sales trust. Sounds like a, uh, a marvelous tool. So the first question that comes to mind is we, I mean, we hear a lot about 1031 uh, exchanges and I, I suspect that there's very few people even minimally in the uh, real estate investment business who haven't heard of 1031 exchanges, but very few people have heard of the DeSalle Deferred uh, Sales Trusts. Are they new? It's, uh, from what I understand, they've been around for a long time, but we just don't hear much about it. Why Why is that discrepancy there? So what's the track record with the Deferred Sales Trust? First of all, it's based upon a tax um, IRS code called IRC 453, which goes back to about the 1920s and 30s. This is known as a seller carryback, Alan. So if you have a big ranch, a big farm, and you're saying, hey, I want to sell it to my neighbor and your farm is worth $20 million, you could carry paper. Like he, the, the, the buyer next door may not be able to get a bank to finance, but it's very common for a seller to do a seller carry back. Well, they'll they'll carry paper, they'll become the bank. That's the same thing we're doing with the trust. The difference is we're not carrying paper for the buyer, right? We're carrying it for the trust. We're asking the buyer to actually come up with the cash or get a bank to loan, but they're not going to loan against them. So loan to them. So that's the first thing to understand is, is that it's an installment sale 
that your CPA already knows installment sale tax law. It's very common. It goes back, you know, 90 plus years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number two, the deferred sales trust is actually taking that IRC 453 and coupling it with a business trust. There's thousands of different types of trust. There's like a living trust for probate. We use a particular business trust that couples with this installment sales tax code to execute this. It's been going on for 27 years now. Thousands of closes, billions and billions of dollars have have been have used the deferred sales trust over the years. But more importantly, you want to you want really want to know, well, how many of these have been tested by the IRS? And if I get audited, what's going to be the outcome or what has been the outcome for the IRS audits? Well, so far, there's been about just over 20 uh, audits over the over the time period. And of those audits, all of them were no change, no findings. And that means it's a 100% track record. It's been perfect. And some of the biggest deals are 100 million plus deals in California. And across all, all 50 states, these deals have happened. And, and just about anything you can think of, you know, car washes, real estate, office buildings, multifamily, primary homes, cryptocurrency, public and private stock, on and on and on it goes back there. Um, as well, our business partners, they allow or they, they provide what's called lifetime audit defense in case there is an audit, state or federal, uh, no additional charge as part of their part of their one-time fee. We have our ongoing fees that we charge to manage the capital and to manage the trust as a trustee. But so that's the track record. It's perfect so far. To answer your question as far as why you haven't heard of it before, A, it's proprietary. So it's not something that we share without, you know, engagement agreements, A, and then B, if it's a tax professional, NDAs. Number two, just one law firm that created it. And so we're protective of the strategy and how it works and, and how, who we let it out to. But but we're doing deals all the time. Most people just don't know how to do it. And so, and a lot of CPAs, honestly, they're, they just know more of the traditional. And I like to say they're kind of like the general practitioners. Nothing wrong with that. It's great. But they're doing more tax, what happened, review, tax returns. The gentleman who created this, he's a CPA and a tax attorney. And so he's more proactive on his approach. So that's what I could say. I always say, Alan, we don't need more solutions. We need more people. And the people have all the solutions. And so, but once you actually meet us, go through it, it's actually very simple. But a lot of people just don't have our expertise is, is really the, the biggest answer, Alan. It seems like it's much more of a simple process than a 1031 uh, exchange. And it's been around for some 27 years. I'm surprised it hasn't gotten more traction than I can comment has. on that. There's, there's 5,000 1031 exchange companies, right? And by the way, I'm a broker. I've done 1031 exchanges and they're all banging the drum of 1031s. Exactly. Most commercial real estate brokers don't want you to know about the deferred sales trust. A, they either don't know or they don't want you to know because they want to keep you in the 1031 exchange. Sell mm -hmm. a $20 million ranch and move it to a $30 million ranch. Sell a $30 million ranch and move it to a $40 million ranch and just keep going, right? And you get big commissions. I get big commissions when I do 1031 exchanges with my clients. By the way, nothing wrong with the 1031 exchange if that's what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, if you're trying to accomplish, I want to continue to be in the ownership of real estate or of, and by the way, 1031 exchanges only work for investment real estate. They don't work for horses. They don't work for primary homes. They don't work for business sales. So first of all, 1031 is very limited, but mm -hmm. they don't want you to know about us. And guess what? Also 1031 exchange companies don't want you to know about the deferred sales trust. They want, they're in the 1031 business. So there's, they have lobbyists and they're, they're all banging the drum of the 1031. We don't have the lobbyist. We just keep doing what we're doing on a very niche specialized scale. And that's also, we work on a, on a no cost obligation basis, Alan. Oftentimes I will try to talk people out of this and tell them to do a 1031, right? There's some reasons to do a 1031 exchange. You can keep a stepped up basis. You maintain 100% unilateral control. 
If you have a nice deal to buy, you're deferring that tax and you can pass that asset on to your kids. Uh, the downsides though, especially for those who are perhaps in the farming or ranching industry, I mean, you watched the show Yellowstone, one of the premises is there that the value of the of the land is so valuable that there's a state tax problem, which has nothing to do with capital gains tax. The family will get a step up in basis upon death. But guess what? There's a 40% death tax that's completely separate. And that's the big elephant in the room. And so what's really unique about the deferred sales trust, we have a 1.0 and a 2.0, is we can remove the asset outside of the taxable state. It does still take selling the ranch, Alan. Okay. So you can't get away without selling it. You got to sell it to a third-party buyer. So that is one of the downfalls. But at least you can get the $100 million ranch outside of the uh, outside of your taxable estate. And that eliminates that estate tax. And so, for example, if you're worth $100 million and the $100 million ranch is all inside of your taxable estate without having to give it up to charity, buy a bunch of life insurance, or have like 50 kids and try to gift it away really quickly, you're in a situation that's going to be really tough because upon your death, yes, stepped up basis happens, but then they assess the estate and say, we want 40% of anything above what's called the basically 24 million married exclusion or about 12 million single. Although in 2026, that's set to, that's set to cut in half. And so it's really an estate tax challenge. So the key here is who can help you solve the challenge that you really have? And maybe sometimes it's a mixture of both. We do deals sometimes where it's partial 1031 exchange, partial deferred sales trust. We just did a deal for a gentleman who sold a $10 million mobile home parks, multiple home, mobile home parks in Idaho. And we did about a... 15% Delaware statutory trust. It's also known as a DST. That's a 1031 family. Then the rest of it went to the deferred sales trust. So the key is, what are you trying to solve? Which solutions can get you where you want to be, if that makes sense, Alan? Enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. Oftentimes, I mean, one of the big problems with 1031 exchanges are that you have to have a property pretty much lined up to do the 1031 exchange at the time that you do the sale. And it's really not infrequent that that second property deal falls through. So is it possible if you start with the 1031 exchange, that 1031 exchange falls through, can you fall back on the deferred sales tax? The answer is trust? yes. And so what we were, what we call what you were talking about, Alan, is what's called the shotgun wedding, right? Where people need to get engaged to these properties within 45 days and married within 180 days. And, and like and like you said too, most people won't even sell until they have their property lined up. And so it be but even if they sell, can they can they close in time? Will the bank lend in time? Will the appraisals come in, in time? Will the seller actually deal? Will interest rates jump from three and a half percent to six and a half percent over a couple month period of time? All of these challenges with the 1031, we like to call blockbuster exit planning, whereas the deferred sales trust is like Netflix in that you don't have any timing restrictions. You don't have no 45-day 180. Um, you don't have to do even replace it with a like-kind investment property. You can still go buy investment property with the trust if you want to and be entrepreneurial, but you can also be passive and retired. But the best part about it is we like to practice optimal timing with our clients. And what does that mean? That means sell high and buy low, not sell high and buy higher under a really tight pressure of time frame and a seller who knows you're in a 1031 exchange. And by changing the dynamic of time, you get the leverage back on your side as the investor versus it all being on the side of the seller you're trying to buy from. And I'll give you a story of this. A gentleman in 2006 looked out on a $20 million asset he was selling in Minnesota and said, the horizon looks 
really kind of, I'm cautious about the horizon. I do not want to do a 1031 exchange. I think something's going to happen. He didn't know it'd be such a crash in 08, but he said, I'm not going to do a 1031. But I also wanted to sell my property. And I have a huge tax. So for the first time, and he did a deferred sales trust and put the money into very safe, conservative, diversified portfolio of, of stocks that weren't subject to big, you know, hedged and protected, weren't subject to the big crash of 08. And five years later, that property that he sold was foreclosed on. And so the bank calls him up and says, hey, you know that property is sold five years ago? He says, I do. He says, well, we just foreclosed on it. We're just curious. Do you want to buy it back? And he says, well, maybe what's the price? And they say it's 60 cents on the dollar from what you sold it for. He says, give me a couple of days. And he was able to, to work with the trust, the deferred sales trust, partner with the trust, all tax deferred, and buy that property back 40% less than what he had sold it for. And that's when the light bulb, I mean, I mean, it had already kind of gone off, but it really just said, oh my goodness, this will change everything if everyone knows how to do this. This is Netflix. This isn't Blockbuster, right? He sold high and he bought low. He played it perfect, right? But even then, if you don't play it perfect, you can still dollar cost average. You can buy smaller properties. You sell that $20 million ranch, you might find a perfect $5 million ranch. The other 15, you want to put it into an investment-grade securities, the biggest companies in the world, and just get cash flow from that. You might find two uh, you know, nice ranches at two and a half, two and a half over there, and then the rest you want to do that. So you, in other words, you can do a little bit of both. You can do a partial 1031 exchange and a partial deferred sales trust. You want to have options and you want to have freedom, and that's what the deferred sales trust provides. Sounds like a really fantastic tool. And I mean, not just alleviating all the headaches that come with uh, 1031 exchanges, but it just gives a tremendous amount more flexibility in terms of deferring those uh, capital gains taxes, which if you're in the real estate uh, investment industry, you're going to be faced with capital gains, or at least you certainly hope that you are. That's the whole point of being in the investment industry. Well, talk to us about what is the largest wealth transfer in the history of the planet, and how can the Deferred Sales Trust help to fund charitable causes with that wealth? Yeah, part of our mission here at Capital Gains Tax Solutions is to passionately help you create freedom and making an impact by unlocking capital to be invested in families and communities. And if you look at one of the major crises in America right now, it's known as the largest wealth transfer in the history of the planet is, is happening. And it's coupled with the US debt crisis. And it's oddly enough, they're both about $31, $32 trillion right now. And over the next 18 or so years, the baby boomers who have about $32 trillion of wealth, uh, known as the largest wealth accumulation and now transfer that we know of on the planet and the history of the planet is going to go to the millennials or the next generation. And that wealth is tied into basically 50% of the total wealth in America is tied into high-end primary homes, businesses in private equity, or commercial real estate. Those are all illiquid assets that are highly appreciated. It also takes up a lot of time, energy, stress. There's also about 77 million baby boomers in the U.S. alone. And every single day, 10,000 are turning 65. And so the question is, what's going to happen when they want to sell, need to sell, estate tax, capital gains tax? And it's really vital to understand that either they don't have these strategies, they don't have a team in place, they don't have a wealth mission plan, they, they're not clear on, 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 on what, what they're facing, and or they feel trapped because they don't have a good solution to their problem. And, and they're either not going to sell and get a 
stepped up basis and or get hammered with the state tax, or they are going to sell and just pay the tax. And that money is going to go to the government. And no matter, I think, who who you who you vote for, what side wins the elections, we could probably all agree that they don't spend it very well and they're not very efficient. And and the money kind of gets wasted away on a lot of a lot of it. Or we can have solutions that actually keep the wealth in the hands of the people, the hands of the families that created it, uh, the hands of those who can give to the causes they believe in most. And hold those people accountable for those for what they're giving. And so through all legal means and having a team and a strategy in place, we can do that. We can eliminate the uh, estate tax for ultra high net worth individuals. We can defer capital gains tax. Um, and we can keep the wealth in the family with, without having to give it to charity. Although you can still give it to charity. You can do donor advised funds. You can do charitable remainder trust. Our main focus is, is deferred sales trust and we will give those out. But also two charities can change. You might, mom and dad might support a charity today. And in 10, 15 years, the leadership and the values change. And part of the other crisis that's going on is the generational passing of wealth. By the third generation, a lot of the wealth is, you know, it's been accumulated by the first. The second maybe enjoys it or builds it some, but the third generation tends to lose a lot of it. And so, but if you can instill values in your family to give to causes uh, that you believe in and that they believe in, and you can hold people accountable, I think that that changes the way that wealth can help people. And the second part of that is we believe that wealth in the hands of the people will always create more jobs, which will actually create more tax revenue, which will actually, you know, help to pay down this debt crisis of 31, 32 trillion. We're not going to tax our way out of it. It's actually going to be creating more wealth with more families, more people, more opportunities, more jobs, which by the way, this is why IRAs and 401ks and 1031 exchanges and the deferred sales trust are around. The government can't force us to create jobs or create housing or create business and commerce, but they can tax incentivize us to buy real estate that depreciates, right? To do 1031 exchanges, to move more wealth into more real estate going ongoing. And that also creates jobs. It creates tax revenue. It creates what ultimately is going to, you know, if we have a chance to solve this debt crisis, to actually be able to pay down that debt over um, with the U.S. government. So those are those are some of the some of the major things that we're facing here, Alan. Tell us a little bit about the fee structure, and just for an example, I, I don't know if there is such a thing as one hundred fifty thousand dollar home in the United States anymore. But say there is a hundred fifty thousand dollar home. The owner of that has paid off the debt many years ago. They purchased it uh, thirty years ago for eleven thousand dollars. It's worth one hundred fifty thousand dollars now. They are currently moving to an assisted living facility. And they want to sell this $150,000 home. Is it worth it to them to do a to transfer this through the trust yeah. fund there? Uh, the answer would be no. It'd be too small. So our minimum is $1 million net proceeds, $1 million gain per transaction. And the reason is the pain of the tax has to be big enough to take a good ROI with the fees, which the fees are about one5 to 2% on a recurring basis and about 1.5% fixed upfront basis. So let's imagine, let's just keep it simple. Let's just move it right to a million, okay? So let's say you had a million dollar house that you bought for $100,000 30 years ago, and you were to sell that house using the Deferred Sales Trust. $15,000 would be the first fee, one-time fee, lifetime audit defense. But by the way, only charged if and if your deal actually closes and if you choose to use the trust. For any reason you don't use the trust or the deal doesn't close, you don't owe anyone anything, okay? Number two, um, whatever goes into the trust, let's just say they had it free and clear, they'd pay about one and a half to 2% on a recurring basis or the trust would. And the goal would be to hopefully out earn that 
uh, these promissory notes are typically 10-year notes structured at 6 to 8% return, net of the recurring fees. And every 10 years, you can renew for 10 years, renew, 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 pass it to your kids, and they can keep it going. But on a primary home, it's interesting, Alan, you have what's called the 121 exclusion. And the 121 exclusion is one of the best uh, tax, tax-free tax things that the government gives us. So let's imagine that couple were married and they bought it for 100000 And let's just say over the years, they actually put $100,000 of uh, improvements into the property. Okay, so now they're at 200000 is their basis. Well, they can add another 500 to their basis because they're 121 exclusion. So that puts them at 700,000 as their basis. If they sell at a million minus some closing costs, let's say it's 950. Well, now they're at only a $250,000 gain. So sometimes people don't realize on the on the primary homes, you don't have as much as you might think. Look up 121 home exclusion. Now that means our primary homes typically need to be about a $2 million gain and about a $2 million net proceeds, because typically that 121 gets, you know, clean cleans out a lot of that, a lot of that gain. However, if it's not a primary home, you had you do not have that 121 exclusion, you do need to have still one million net, net proceeds, one million dollar gain, but the, the deferred sales trust uh, makes sense at that point. Ho- hopefully that answers your question. Alan? Yeah, that uh, that did. I appreciate that. So Brett, what is your closing comment for us here today? I guess the closing comment would be, we can also save a failing 1031 exchange. Okay. So if you're already considering your 1031 exchange, even if you're saying, I'm not sure about the deferred sales trust set, no problem. Get to know us. But even if you're going to go for a 1031 exchange, you want to still connect with us so we can make sure you have a alternative or a backup in case it fails. Because guess what? Not every qualified intermediary wants you to know about this, nor will they cooperate once they have you in their 1031 jail. And I call it jail mm-hmm. because people call me out and they'll say, I'm with this so-and-so big, big 1031 company and I have millions of dollars over there. And Brett, I'm running out of time. The bank's not lending. The seller's not dealing. Can I use the deferred sales trust? And I say, yes, if you have them cooperate and they call them up and they go, we will not cooperate. And they they say, why won't you cooperate? And they say, we will not cooperate. And they really don't give a great reason except for they don't think it can work or should work with their exchange agreements that they already have signed in place and they have control of the money. So I would say, make sure you're working with a qualified intermediary, which we have them, who has the proper team in place, who understands these, who has it in the exchange agreement prior to you signing anything and giving your control and your money up to a qualified intermediary who will not cooperate. So that's a big thing. Those are the worst calls that we get. And it's a sad thing. But if you get with us earlier, now to say that doesn't mean if you're with the QI right now that they won't cooperate. We A lot of them will. We'll talk with them. We'll walk them through it. They sign the NDAs and they say, oh, this is great. And some of them are very open-minded. But some of the bigger ones, Alan, it's like going to a big Wells Fargo bank and getting them to do something that is something a little bit outside the box. They just say no, and they don't really seem to care, to be honest. And so we just choose not to do business with them ever again. And we do with business with those that will, will, will yeah. accommodate the deferred sales trust, which really serves the client because they don't have to feel trapped by that 1031, trapped by that seller who won't deal, trapped by that loan that won't, that won't loan, trapped by that 45 days. We can save a failing 1031 exchange. By the way, you don't have to identify the 1031 or the deferred sales trust. So it doesn't take up one of your spots. And if you don't use the deferred sales trust, you don't pay for the deferred sales trust. You just do your 1031. So it never hurts to have the backup plan. Yeah. It sounds like a great idea because I mean, I don't know the percentage of failed 1031 exchanges, but I don't think it's insignificant. There's just so many things that they have to jump through. Well, Brad, it's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much for sharing this very valuable information. And I know our viewers and listeners appreciate it as well. So thank you so much. Thanks, Alan. Enlightened investors, don't go yet. I have just a couple of quick requests. 
You know the drill. Like, share, and subscribe. But we also need your help to build our audience, so please go to your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and review. I'll be most grateful. Until next time, prosper and live abundantly. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.